0: Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds from our little corner of the world at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans
1: welcome to the hello from the pluriverse podcast my name is max esperance i'm your host here with Michaeline engelmeyer i am a manna student here at tulane university as well as a design thinking graduate assistant working at the phyllis m taylor center for social innovation and design thinking i plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company I'm very interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. Here with me today is Michael Lee. Michael Michaeline, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm great. Mm. Thanks for asking, Max. Mm. So I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition Program here at Tulane. I am also a Design Thinking graduate assistant working with the Taylor Center. And I hope to one day work in the area of international nutrition as a registered dietitian. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, where I was born and raised, and I also served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Mozambique. So, um, yeah, today we're going to be listening to an interview with Renata Tao. Leitao. Uh, Renata is from Brazil, and I actually speak a little bit of Portuguese, so I'm curious whether I'll get to flex that muscle while listening to this interview, because it's been a while. But other than that, I'm just interested in the worldly perspective that Renata brings to the table as a designer and I'm excited to hear what she has to say.
1: Well thank you, Michaelina. Uh, if I may throw this out there. I speak a tiny bit of Portuguese myself. Okay? <laughs> so hopefully really? we both I can didn't know uh, that. Yeah, hopefully we both can get the chance to flex a little bit. But um Dr. Renata Marquez uh, has many qualities that are unique to designers and her unique upbringing from Brazil is very similar to a lot of designers that we have had on this podcast previously. She grew up in Brazil and remembers realizing that many things were unfair in the world uh, that she lived in from a very young age. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about her project titled uh, Craftsmanship? Craftsmanship as a means of empowerment for the traditional communities of Guaracaba, Uh, which is a city in Canada. Um, Thank you.
3: Everything in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Everything in my life. And uh, especially when I realized when I was younger that so many things were wrong in the world. So many things were, were unfair. And I started to try to understand why things were the way they were because it made no sense, no sense at all for me. And that was something that I always, always tried to understand, what, what was going on. And so many things are wrong, many things are wrong, the world, the world is designed to, to, to be like this. And at some point, I, I first studied psychology. Where well, I had to, to choose when I was 16 I decided to to, to to study psychology and I was studying about visual perception, about things that make make people change their their, their behaviors, and at some point I realized that image is something that is can be so transformative. When you see something you can understand. So, so, so many times people speak, 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 talk and talk and talk. But when they put things, uh, uh, like make something concrete, make something visible, then there is a change, then there is an understanding. And I used to, to study in psychology, some lines that were more, how can I say, visual or material that would take the ideas not only in the head the, the, not only we would discuss verbally but we would uh, build things we would make mockups and prototypes of feelings of situations we would uh, just w- w- when i w- when i when i look back it was my introduction to design thinking there then i, I realized oh my god the, the power that image has to transform people. So uh, that's what made me uh, start to, to study graphic design. How can you create powerful images that are moving, that really have this pathos that that moves people. So uh, I was super passionate about graphic design. And uh, at some point when I started doing my, my master was, I started researching how graphic design can be an instrument for social change social transformation and i applied uh, graphic design workshops in first nations native communities in canada so that was my, my my path a little bit of since the since the beginning trying to understand how can we we create change in the power of image, the power of making things concrete and visible that was my my entry point to to design to the to the design world. I have the, the 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 impression that you have to be born in a third world country to understand some ideas, different different uh, perspective. And I b- before I used to think that it's culture, culture, culture. That we are we're talking about culture. And of course, I understand culture as something that is very deep, very about it, just the operating system of our brain, how you interpret even uh, small things. That's how I understand uh, how I understand culture. Sometimes people don't understand culture in that way. Uh, people understand culture in a way that is more superficial, more about how things are performed. So it's more about how things are performed then of the matrix that create how you think, how you interpret, how you act. So I understand culture in this way that is very deep. And then I came across the idea that um, of ontologies that I a few years ago I didn't know about it. That it's not just how you interpret, it, but you understand that the nature of the world is different. So how you learned how you interact with knowledge, how you process knowledge how you how you conceive what is the, the what is reality is different and and i think i the way I understand uh, reality because i'm from a third world country is different <laughs> it's really it's really different that's a, that, that's something that is uh, it, for me it became very clear in design i think brazilians are uh, usually are educated as designers using the the standards of uh, euro anglo academia so it's not that different but i think how i how I interpret the reality is very different and when I started to 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 work with indigenous peoples in Canada, I couldn't understand. There are things that I couldn't understand. For me, it was like completely uh, just some, some things that were for me it was they were completely different, difficult to understand. And especially uh, with my colleagues that were Canadian or European, how they conceived the problems were. It was a little bit weird, a little bit weird. And it took me many years to, to see that oh, because we, the way we think is so different. The way we learn is so different. The way we conceive, so the assumptions, the beliefs, assumptions, I think, you, we, you think that the world uh, operates in a certain manner. You don't contest that. You think that is how it is. It's an accurate description, and it's not. So there are many assumptions about uh, reality that exists here that are mean, um, uh, much different from, from mine. So that's why I said, oh, it changes a lot. It changes a lot being uh, being born in the periphery, i, I outside of the center. It, it changes a lot. What's the role... Of a, especially graphic designer because I'm a graphic designer. of a graphic designer, in creating this area of pluriversal design, because you, you can imagine there are many different worlds, many different different realities in this planet, but if they can't exchange and communicate, if there is some points of bridges and points of intersections, they they are completely disconnected. So creating a a pluriversal design is about designing those points of interpretation and interaction. And at some point I think there are very few, very, very, very few. So how I see my my collaboration as a graphic designer is about designing, creating images, creating stories that allow people to understand how different two ways of thinking are. Because yeah, I don't think people understand. <laughs> I don't think so. Sometimes I, 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 I had another presentation about about myths of modernity. Now I'm starting to think: of what other metaphors, images that I can create to make people understand about the, the different. Uh, the different realities and how can we, how can we think in one mode and then think in another mode? Mm-hmm. So it's not so easy. But I see that the my role is yeah. like creating these bridges. <laughs> well, I have to tell about this project because I took took six years six years of my life. So, <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> so sounds <but> important.
3: <laughs> yeah. So so uh, there are many people who create many different projects. I, I, I worked for six years in one project. So I have to, to, to tell you about it. And it was with a native community, native nation in Canada. The name of this nation is Atikamek. Okay, I can, I can send you the, the, the name. And uh, I started to work there as a research assistant with my supervisor. Uh, the University of Montreal at that time in a product design project and when I arrived there I started to realize that one of the main problems of that that group they were feeling that they were losing the identity was a graphic design uh, uh, problem they didn't understand the value of the symbols of the the symbols that they had so on, on the crafts, they, 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 they make lots of baskets and canoes and uh, gloves, moccasins. They had some symbols. And after the, the, the 90s, they started to, to use other symbols completely, completely different, like stereotypes, feathers, drink catchers, things that, that were more stereotyped. And they stopped using the traditional symbols. They started to to, to to become more rare, and when I saw that, I realized, oh maybe one of the one of the problems in terms of identity for this nation is the lack of awareness of the value of the ancestral symbols, the meaning of the symbols That's so, so cool. for that, I developed a methodology of workshops to revitalize that tradition, to make elders tell youth, to tell young artists what's the meaning, the value. So make uh, different generations connect and tell the stories of the symbols. And from that point with uh, graphic design training, they would create images, new images, contemporary images uh, together. Because I think history is not only, okay, let's look back. But yeah, yeah, now in place now, you know where you come from. Let's try to, to 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 create images that represent where you are you want to to, to go, who you wanna become. So that was a reflection of what kind of image do you wanna create now, now that you understand your history, you understand the meaning of of your tradition. That was the that was the the, the, the project. I think the same, the same thing is an amazing methodology, but it has some, just, it applies for some specific cases. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's the thing. And you, you can't think that a, a tool would serve for anything you just have a hammer of course hammer is amazing Thanks god we have a hammer Mm -hmm. but sometimes you have a screwdriver (laughs) that's the the, the, the situation in the case of my project i couldn't have like a, 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 a traditional design thinking approach because it was something that was discussed Slowly, with so many cultural stewards, so it become something of me understanding what were the aspirations of the community, understanding what what were the dreams. So it was more about um, putting in uh, creating a project that I caught something okay that uh, that is the desperation of that person, that, that is the dream of that other person. Oh, that's what that elder does. So putting all those elements together. So it, it, it was different from, from design thinking. I think in design thinking, it's very useful when you have a, a specific problem, then you're going to address that problem. So you have to first create something like um, a long-term view for that society, that community in order to be able to have problems where design thinking fits. Yeah, but at the same time, I really agree with design thinking because you, you're never gonna have in real life, the situation, you have the problem, you understand the problem, you create a solution, that's the solution. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So so the, the iteration of design thinking, yes, I totally, you have to understand that. that that's so important. So even when, when the, the process is not formally in, in terms of design thinking, when you are, we are like collectively, implementing a, uh, an idea or solution it's always a conjecture always okay we are trying that so it's not prototyping by itself but it's kind of because you understand that the reality is going to 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 to, to, to give you feedback and then you have to change you have to readjust you have to understand it to be more flexible so the principles the 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 general spirit of design thinking is very useful to, to understand even when you don't you can't use exactly the methodology of design thinking in that case here in toronto i teach graphic design so i really teach, I, I try to to really link the the the, the basic of, of graphic design with the reality outside always understand that yes it's a it's a very misunderstood profession you know the, the, who are people who are studying don't understand how powerful it is because most of the way that we that the, the, our operating system works, it's coded through images. So you, you are programming the society when you're creating images. So I try to bring that reflection about how we are all the time shaping the beliefs. So the, I, I, I try to bring that, that uh, reflection to, to, to yeah. the class. The, crazy, the, crazy about, the craziness about design education how much design education has, has to be changed it's like uh, I can't even start to talk about it yeah. like usually people who are the, the image makers they don't have that deep re- reflection uh, when they're studying they don't read a lot they don't understand the brain they don't understand so the most powerful uh, profession to, to change behaviors, to influence behaviors, they learn the skills without a deeper reflection. How crazy! You reflect on, on aesthetic things and how just the image the, the, the and the, the like uh, symmetry, asymmetry, this, bounce, mm-hmm. and your composition, and then you don't reflect about how it's shaping you in your way of thinking. Just understand that that design is the first uh, is the first activity of uh, humans. Our world is designed. Our reality is designed. The things are designed yes. to work as they are. So that's the thing. Why? When, we, when you complain about something, it was, usually it was designed. So if you think that the first two, that is the first, like the, the rock, <laughs> was like, it was designed. So, so how? How? You, you 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 act on how can you shape because we we usually don't don't think about it sometimes you, you sometimes normal people want the, the reality to change but they don't understand that it has it needs to have this process of envisioning seeing of testing that, that that's important and, of course, the most important thing about, uh, about the design is trying to understand how other people, people who are different from you think, that's so yeah. important. doesn't yeah. matter if you're a product designer, a social designer, a graphic designer, if you're a graphic designer, you're communicating to other people how they see, how they are, uh, how they react to your designs.
1: Well, that was an interesting listen. Um, uh, Michaeline, how does place and identity impact their work in your view?
2: Um, Well, I think Renata is very clear to point out that Brazilians are educated using the standards of European Anglo academia, which not only impacted her work, uh, but it likely also impacted her commitment to developing a broader worldview. And I'm sure this approach has likely impacted the work of anyone who doesn't hail from a predominantly European Anglo background. I've experienced this as a woman where the work and achievements of men are lauded and cemented in history and taught in classrooms, but I've never experienced being taught a curriculum that didn't reflect or consider my racial or ethnic background because Mm -hmm. I identify as white. Um, So Renata's acknowledgement of the European Anglo academic standards to which she was held and educated, uh, which were standards that didn't reflect her place of birth nor her ethnic identity, Um, It seems like that would resonate for a lot of people and that it has impacted her work as a designer moving forward.
1: Well, thank you, Michaeline, for uh, sharing your perspective. Uh, It's a breath of fresh air. Um, For me, I think that place and identity greatly impacted her work, her upbringing in Brazil greatly impacted who she is as a person. And then when she moved to Canada, she was able to notice some major differences between where she grew up and the place uh, she now lived. Renata used her cultural position to develop various understandings of how design both reflects and has the power to create culture. Uh, Renata expanded on this uh, by saying, culture runs very deep it is our perspective it affects the operating systems of our brain it is how we interpret small things and how we interact with knowledge and how we conceive what reality is
2: that's a great quote yeah i i also picked up on that when she said that i thought it was very insightful um so from this interview what do you feel like you learned from renata about design thinking and social innovation
1: so uh, i'm going to share another quote with you um when asked about design thinking, Renata was quickly to la- uh, was quick to label it as an amazing methodology that applies to very specific cases. She uh presented her point in a metaphor explaining that certain tools cannot be used in all situations. For example, a hammer is an amazing tool. Thank God we have a hammer, but sometimes we need a screwdriver. This point is so accurate and is something that I relate to um because as a human being living in this world, you have to be able to adapt. We are all going going to face different circumstances, um, whether that's at work, at school, or at home. But you you just have to be able to adapt yourself so that you not you don't you don't only just sur- uh, survive. You know, you want to thrive as well. Um, so she might have met this quote in a more literal sense. But if, if metaphorically speaking, we are all tools of design, and we must be able to adapt. What about you, Michaeline?
2: Yeah, I, I love how um, quotable this, this interview was, because she had some real gems. So you know, I agree with the idea that in the field of design, we need to be able to adapt. And I think Renata was also getting at the fact that we need to curate our metaphorical toolkits in order to be equipped to approach certain situations. So gathering new methodologies and new ways of approaching things um, and simply having the tool isn't enough. We also need the wisdom to recognize what tools will work in certain situations. And I think that's a great takeaway regarding the design thinking approach.
1: Well, thank, uh, thank you for that sp- perspective, Michaeline. Um, uh I really agree with, uh, with what she said. And um Renata was very quotable in this, uh, in this interview. And um, so as two students who are not formal designers, what advice did you take away from this episode um, for non-designers who are using design methods?
2: Yeah, so Renata started out studying psychology in undergrad, but she realized after three years in her degree program that she didn't want to become a psychologist. Uh, but what she did realize through her studies was that she greatly enjoyed studying the human condition. So eventually following this passion led her into the design field and just really encouraging to know that designers come from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, and your career never has to be set in stone if you don't want it to be. What about you?
1: So when asked about the advice she has for those interested in using design thinking methods, Renata first established that we are all born designers. Early humans wanted to change their reality, so they applied design principles to create tools out of rock. Anyone who uses process that requires uh, envisioning, seeing and testing is a designer. The advice that I will most remember, though, in her words, is that the most important thing about design is understanding how people who are different from you think. This is a point that I wholeheartedly agree with and uh, it's something that we should all take into account our, in our daily lives, okay? So, we must understand how people who are different from us think. Um, Absolutely.
2: I, I love the perspective that, you know, like, early humans were designers because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they changed their world by making stuff out of rock and bronze and metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really cool. I never yeah. thought about it like
1: that. So, uh, was there anything that she said that surprised you that you didn't agree with or anything that inspired you.
2: Yeah, so um, she speaks a little bit about feeling born in the periphery, Be, you know, being born in Brazil and then moving to North America, and that really changes your perspective. Um, and that was really interesting to me because, in my U.S. centric view, I don't think I would have described Brazil as the periphery or a developing country. Um, and I guess that goes to show just my extreme privilege being born and raised in the U S that I get to decide what's considered a developing country and what isn't. So I guess my perspective falls in line with her observation as well, that I take a lot of things for granted about living in the U S, um, including in and of itself, my inherent perspective. Mm -hmm. What about you?
1: So, um, my perspective is. Totally different from yours, from your U.S. centric view. So I was born in Haiti. I grew up there, and I moved here when I was about seven or eight years old. So I knew that Brazil was a, uh, you know, a third world country and stuff like that. So I grew up in the periphery. So it's very easy for me to, you know, notice what other countries and what other places are in the periphery as well. Um, so Renata explains that when you are born in the periphery and you move to North America you realize that the way we think, conceive, and learn creates assumptions and beliefs that is different from everyone else's. Um, this greatly relates to me because, like I said, I was born in Haiti, a developing country like Brazil, and moved here when I was um, seven. So I can vividly remember the place that I grew up in. Renata is not wrong at all. Um, moving here, we have so many things that we take for granted. You know, we have electricity 24-7. We have running water when we need it. We can walk in and out of the house within our own free will. So, you know, just not to take uh, anything for granted. And, you know, you you realize that you were in the periphery and now you're at a better place. And you just want to do things to help those that are in the periphery as well. So um, even until this day, um, like I haven't been back to Haiti for, you know, since I was a kid, ever since I moved here, I spent over half of my life here but my moral comfort compass and the way i perceive things is still shaped by my culture and the place that i came from so i completely and wholeheartedly agree with uh renata's statement
2: it's so interesting that we can come together and you know just because of where we grew up uh just have two totally different perspectives i think that's something really special and i value that about these Mm -hmm. conversations we get to have about designers yep um so how do you think the world would be a better or worse place if most, if more people use these skills in their work and in their life?
1: So I think... That if we take her advice and learn how people that are different from us thinks, then the world would, without a doubt, be a better place. Because I, the reason that we fight so much and can't seem to find common ground is that we don't understand each other. If we took the time to sit down and hear what each other has to say and listen to each other's experiences and learn why people think the way that they think, learn why they act that the way that they act. And I think the world will, would, uh, without a doubt, um be a better place so we should all take her advice into our daily lives because there's there's always two sides to a story and it is very important to be informed so that you know we don't fight amongst ourselves um what about you uh michael is there uh, do you think the world would be a better place if we all listened to dr marquez
2: yeah so it's uh it's really interesting that you say that because i think we both have very similar ideas but coming at it from different angles. So your, your notion about um, understanding each other is kind of putting the onus on everyone to, you know, reach out and connect. And I think um, there's a lot of personal responsibility to broaden one's perspective, whether that's being unafraid to change careers or move to another country or learn another language. It helps us understand those around us a little bit better. Um, And Renata's a great example of this, that broadening one's worldview could be the key to engineering equitable, innovative solutions that make this world a better place for everyone. Um, And I'll finish off with a quote because like we said, this this, uh, interview was so quotable. Um, As Renata so eloquently phrased it, culture runs very deep. It's our perspective. It affects the operating systems of our brain. It's how we interpret small things, how we interact with knowledge and how we conceive what reality is. And I couldn't agree
1: more. Well, we can't end it any better than that. Thank you, Michaeline, uh, for joining me here today. Uh, so for the listeners out there, we want to know what do you think. Please feel free to check out the Taylor website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. And once again, thank you, Michaeline. Yeah, thank you,
2: Max. Have a great, have a great uh, day. We hope you enjoyed
0: this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 sic 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu, and also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.